From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. I just wanted to mention uh, this uh, program is available as an HOA. That's called a Hangout on Air. So if you want to catch the live stream on uh, YouTube, it's easy. Just go to my Twitter feed, and at the top or near the top, you'll find the tweet pertaining to the HOA. And you just click on the YouTube link, and you are in. And uh, you can see me here in the studio and uh, check out my new glasses and give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. (laughs) Uh, While you're on the Twitter feed at Richard Serrett, please uh, follow and uh, say hi. Uh, And if you're watching the live stream, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at theconspiracyshow1 at gmail.com. And the other way of contacting me, of course, is through the website, richardserrett.com, and the contact page. Uh, uh, Speaking of the website, richardserrett.com, Albert the Intern has posted some great stories in the highlight carousel at the top of the site, uh, including, uh, he's just put some YouTube video up there of the legendary Patterson uh, Bigfoot film shot back in 1967, purported to show an actual encounter with a Bigfoot. And this really, if you, don't, if you haven't seen it, where have you been? But this is the Zapruder film of the Bigfoot uh, arena. And its authenticity has been debated and it's been studied and analyzed to death. I'd say other than the Zapruder film, uh, this is probably the most studied piece of film uh, in history. Uh, well, a Hollywood makeup artist and FX artist, William Munns, has just completed an exhaustive seven-year study of the Zapruder film. And Rosemary Ellen Guiley will join us after the bottom of the hour uh, to discuss the William Munns investigation uh, Rosemary, of course, joins us uh, every month for our Paranormal News Roundup. That's coming up at the bottom of the hour. First, though, we're just getting into 2015. It's already proving to be violent and tense. Uh, of course, we had the recent terrorist shootings in Paris. Uh, we thought maybe we could peer into the crystal ball for 2015 uh, and to check out, you know, what's, what's, what's going to lie ahead. And so in, in, in order to do that, we've enlisted the world's leading trend forecaster, Gus, geopolitics, economics, and technology, Gerald Salenti, the founder, director of the Trends Research Institute. Hey, Gerald, how are you? Welcome. Uh, well, thanks for having me on. I'm fine. 2015, uh, going to be an interesting year ahead, no doubt. I had a conversation last on Coast to Coast uh, with Stephen Quayle, and I know that the, the both of you uh, from time to time will uh, write articles for King World News, which I follow religiously. And uh, uh, Stephen has kind of a, obviously a, a very pessimistic view of 2015. Uh, let's talk about uh, the economy and, and where you think it's, it's headed. Do you see, foresee a, a stock market crash or a major correction in, in, the, months that, in the months ahead in 2015? You know, it, it's always hard to forecast these because of one of the trends that we write about in the uh, top trends for 2015, and that is the grand manipulation. And by the way, that story is being written by Dr. Paul Craig Roberts. Yes. Well, I'm sure your listeners know was the former Assistant Treasury Secretary under Reagan. The father of Reaganomics. Yeah, when, and when you look at what's going on, I mean, who would have imagined that there would be such a thing as quantitative easing? And then to make it worse, I mean, we have interest rates now. They have not raised interest rates since 2006. So what we're saying is we, we know that the markets are rigged. This isn't a conspiracy. It's a fact. They rigged the LIBOR rates, the uh, interest rates. It's a fact. They rigged the Forex markets, the currency markets, to the tune that are traded at $5.3 a day. They're rigged. It's a fact. I mean, nobody goes to jail. They get fines, and you know they go on, and everything's fine. And we know, of course, they're, they're manipulating gold prices as well with their naked shorts 
as demand for gold is going up, physical gold, they're shorting it on the market to drive the price down. So to answer your question, all the indicators are in place where we should see some type of equity panic in 2015. And that's what I also said on King World News uh, just yesterday, that this looks like the year it's going to happen. And the reason is it's a Ponzi scheme. And eventually Ponzi can't pay back the new people coming in because he's given all the money to paying out the people that are leaving. And so what's going on now, all with these low interest rates, all of the quantitative easing, the world is in a slowdown. And you're seeing it with commodity prices. I mean, uh, a few hours ago, you know, Brent and, and West Texas Intermediate, you know, they were down over 1%. So we're looking at Brent now at $49 a barrel, roughly. Some are suggesting it could, it could go to 20 what are your thoughts? Well, it could because one of our other trends are dominant energy. This isn't a new – it's not alternative. You're seeing dominant energies beyond wind, solar, geothermal, and biofuel taking place at a time when, again, you see weakness in the markets. And, and staying on that, what we're saying is that this is bigger than oil. Demand is down. Iron ore – is, is, is you could buy a ton of reinforcement rod in, in China cheaper than you can buy a ton of cabbage. You see copper prices, five-and-a-half-year lows. Again, China consumes 40% of the new copper being mined each year. Not anymore. They're in a terrible slowdown. Their housing bubble is burst. A number of real estate firms are going, they, they, they're defaulting on bonds already. And that never happens in China because they, they cover it up. So what, the cover-up can't, again, going back to Ponzi and going back to panic. The way it's shaping out, and you put geopolitical events on top of it, 2015 is the year that you better hold on to your cash, know where it is, have it in your possession, because there can also be a bank holiday. And you just saw what happened with, in France. You horrible, saw, horrible situation. You saw two guys kill 12, 14, 16 people, and an entire nation shuts down. Now, just think if there's a, a terrorist strike in the United States, false flag or real. Remember, when they had the Boston Marathon bombing, they made people stay in their homes, and they closed down an area, what, about 50 miles, 100 miles around Boston. You couldn't take a train from New York to Boston. So what I'm saying is, with the markets in such a volatile position, they may use any excuse that they could come up with for a bank holiday. We're closing the banks to protect the American people from the treacherous acts caused by these vicious people. And, and then you get your money back when they finally open it up, and they'll devalue it, just like they did back in 1933, when they made people turn in their gold because the dollar was backed by gold. You could bring in your worthless paper and get gold for it back then. That's why there was a bank run. And you were getting, like, I think it was $20.62 an ounce. 
That's what the dollar was pegged to gold at. After they stole everybody's gold, they raised the price of gold to $35 an ounce, which means that you just lost 70% of your purchasing power. So when I say that, yeah, the cards look like panic, and you better know where your dough is, because that's the kind of thing that could happen. And if you don't believe me, I'm one of the guys that got screwed by MF yes. Global, yep. by John the Slime Corzine, going into my regulated account and stealing my money. But he's one of the white shoe boys, so he gets a free ride. And if you don't believe me, look what happened when they closed down Wall Street on 9-11. If you had certificate, certificates of deposit, you could not cash them in because Wall Street was closed. And I know because it happened to me. And I know when I tried getting considerable sums out of the bank, when I called the panic of 08, and I saw where things were going, they would not give me my money. And I had to put on a scene to get it. So when I say to people, you better know where your money is, and if you don't have your hands on it, bye-bye. Gerald Salenti is the founder and director of the Trends Research Institute. Uh, Gerald, you, you mentioned you know knowing where your money is. Uh, what do you suggest to people? Uh, obviously, uh, I'm guessing you, you're going to you know suggest people have a certain holding in in physical gold and physical silver. Uh, but beyond that, and we can get back to the gold and silver in a moment. I mean, is it wise even to be in the market at this point? I mean, it could go higher. It could go higher. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm a trend forecaster, so I don't give that kind of advice. To me, the market's a rigged game, and I'll tell you why. The only reason the markets are going up is because of these record low interest rates and because of the, all of the quantitative easing. So here's the deal. You know, you're a nice guy. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You're one of the big banks. I'm going to loan you money at 0.25%. And you can loan it out at any price that you can get. Even shift them with these payday loans, 150, 200%. Get what you can get because it's bankism. It's not capitalism. And here's the other reason the market's going up. Again, the cheap money. Merger and acquisition activity in 2014 was back to 2007 levels. And finally, more than half of the stock market rise has gone from big companies borrowing money very cheaply and buying back their stock right. and driving the prices up. So this is not based on earnings. This is not based on, on production. This is not based on uh, the usual indicators of a robust economy. It's bankism and the grand manipulation. And a matter of fact, in the top, that's one of the top 15 tre top trends of 2015 is bankism. It's a ter term that we called. Four words have killed capitalism. People better grow up about it. If they could repeat the four words, they'll know what I'm talking about. Too big to fail. In capitalism, there's no such thing. In bankism, that's the way of the world. And by the way, the person that's writing that story for us in the Trends Journal is Nomi Prinz who wrote that fabulous book that's a huge seller, All the President's Bankers. So the game is rigged. And people ask me, you know, you know when, when you say this conspiracy, what are you talking about? I said, listen, six words have destroyed the United States. Harvard, Princeton, Yale, 
bullets, bombs, and banks. It's one club and you're not in it. A bunch of arrogant people with a bad attitude who think they're better than everybody else. Most of them have been on, born on third base and thought they hit a triple. <laughs> Aptly put. Gerald, listen, stay put. Uh, we're just going into a break. We've got about a minute here. Tell uh, people very quickly how they can subscribe to the Trends Research Journal. TrendsJournal.com, TrendsJournal.com, and they also can get our five-and-a-half-hour conference that we just had going over the top trends of 2015 in depth. All right. Back with more of my conversation with Gerald Salente as we look at the year ahead 2015 here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And we are back with uh, Gerald Salente, the founder and director of the Trends Research Institute. I mentioned gold and silver. Now, we've got uh, the paper market, and, and uh, perhaps you can take a moment and explain the difference between the paper and the physical market. Uh, the paper market's around 12.25 U.S. an ounce. Uh, but as you pointed out earlier, the demand is huge. Uh, China, India buying gold hand over fist. Uh, where do you see gold likely to, uh, to go in 2015? Here's, this was our forecast all year long. We, when gold reached around the $1,300 mark, we said it had a downside risk of 100 to $150. And we nailed it. The downside risk just, just hitting those points. It's all there. It's a matter of record. And you think of the downside risk. That's nothing. It was nothing considering where gold can go. And as I mentioned, all that's happened is that countries have printed digital money backed by nothing, printed on nothing. There's going to be a point when this collapses, and gold is going to be the safe haven opportunity. You know, I have, you know, I'm a guy that, you know, I'm in my senior years, so I put, you know, money, I have to put money in the States, I have to put in, you know, I have to put it in, uh, you know, IRAs, or else they'll, you know, steal all my dough, you know, in taxes. So I have to buy gold in ETFs as well. You know, it's the only way I could do it other than buying gold and have it in possession of somebody else, which is, you know, I don't believe in that either. So that's part of the paper transaction as well, the ETFs. But, you know, it, 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 not that I want to do it, but that's the only option for me. So for me, only speaking for myself, not giving financial advice, I only buy gold, I have some silver, and I've invested in you know, real estate, but not just traditional real estate. I own you know, three of the most historic buildings in the United States, a 1750, a uh, 1774 Academy, and uh, a 1763 uh, Dr. Jensen House. Right there on the main drag in, in Kingston. Right, where we're also going to be holding Occupy Peace, and that's going to be our big movement, and it's going to be in May 2nd, 2015, the most historic four corners in the U.S., based on the founding fathers. No foreign entanglements. Washington, you know, a real warrior, a real commander-in-chief, not one of these little boys that play golf, drive pickup trucks, and play basketball. And this is a guy in his farewell address, no foreign entanglements, and the world was at war back then, too. 
and so Jefferson and Franklin and Adams. So we're honoring thy founding fathers. Our our mission is to rebuild America, bring home the troops, seal the borders, and rebuild the country rather than wasting it on war. And you can see how the war talk is going now, boy. All the flags are waving, the people are cheering, and we're going to get them ISISs wherever they are. Boy, oh boy, we we just we have such a short memory, don't we? It's terrible. I think Lincoln was. You know, I, sometimes I think Lincoln was wrong. You can fool all of the people all of the time. I agree with you. I agree with you. This this the farce that's going on now. This hypocrisy of all of these leader clowns lining up in France and and in protest. You know how many how many. How didn't didn't live didn't France that little guy uh, Sarkozy start the war against uh, Gaddafi and destabilize the entire place, kill tens of thousands of people along with the United States and NATO, and arm the same people that now they're complaining are fighting them? Sure. Wasn't it the United States who lied the world into war? the Iraq war which Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction and they killed over a million people in in uh, Iraq and George Bush's war in Afghanistan oh and let's not talk about the Palestinians they don't count only 2100 of them were killed in, what, in last summer now that they're only Palestinians that's only Gaza that doesn't count as much as 14 Frenchmen and ISIS was trained in Jordanian bases on American owned bases in Jordan all over not only in Jordan in Libya in Syria this is all being destabilized by the hypocrites that are shooting their mouths off now and this whole thing about, you know, Obama coming out a couple of weeks ago with the, the North Korea allegedly hacking this stupid Sony movie. And this was an expression of free speech. And now they're all shooting their mouths off again about, you know, this uh, I am Charlie and this is about free speech. So why is it that they could have free speech? And people ask me all the time. Uh, Mr. Salenti, are you afraid of speaking out because the government may blow your brains out? Hmm. Yeah, but it's okay for them to talk about free speech. So now if it's okay to talk about free speech, then I guess it's okay to say Obama is a fraud, a disgrace to America, and so too is the rest of Congress. Because, hey, it's free speech now. They're all there championing it and saying that we can speak out. Say, hey, everybody, go nuts. Say what you want. Well, yeah, and then, but now we have to be careful because that's the kind of language that gets us placed on no-fly uh, lists. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. Now it's <laughs> legit because, no, I heard Obama, ah, man. Right. I heard him sure. say it, man. Sure. Free speech. Okay. They're all yelling out, this is an expression of free speech. Viva la France. Okay. Great, man. Everybody, you can say what you want now. Do any cartoon that you like. It's okay. So NASA, or NSA rather, CIA, FBI, all your surveillance guys, go away. You can't watch this anymore. No, no, we're free to say what we want. Obama is a fraud, a disgrace to America, and so too is the rest of Congress. And I'll put Bush and Clinton in that category too. Well, that's the These idea. People it, have destroyed this country. But it doesn't. It doesn't seem to matter who ends up in office because it's not. It's it's this illusion of choice. It's it's the uh, it's the continuity 
of of government. It's built into the equation. It doesn't matter if we get Jeb Bush or if you get Jeb Bush or Hillary Clinton. It's going to be the same policy. It's all about continuity that they've designed. So how are we going to, how are you in America going to change things at the ballot box? We need a third party. And that's the only way I could see it happening. And that's one of our forecasts, by the way, for 2015. The opportunity now is greater than I've ever seen it. Matter of fact, one of the ways I made my name as a trend forecaster was when I wrote the book Trend Tracking back in the mid-80s, late-80s. It was a Warner book. And um, I forecast that there'd be a new third party. And for some reason, I mentioned Ross Perot's name. And this is a time when nobody knew who this guy was. And it happened. The conditions now are more favorable than than back then. Matter of fact, there's a whole great story that goes along with it. Um, John Connolly, he was the governor of Texas, sure. sitting in front of Kennedy, of course, and got the bullet in the back. You had some he, great conversations with uh, yeah, Mr. Connolly. Yeah, I, I was down there. He asked to see me it was two weeks before the election. And I have a photograph of me, him, and his wife, Nellie, in front of the book depository. I've seen that, it was yes. Their, yeah, it was their first time back since the assassination. So I believe that, the and, by the, and, the, and the part of the story is we're walking back into the Anatole Hotel. And remember, this he becomes the Treasury Secretary under a Republican, uh, uh, Nixon. Right. And when they took the dollar off the gold standard. And he looks at me and he said, Gerald, I read your book. He said, it's a fine piece of work. And he said, I know your heart's in the right place. He said, well, you don't have a clue what's going on. And neither do the American people. Because if they did, there'd be a revolution in this country. And that was back then. And look how it's gone downhill since. Well, that sort of echoes so, what uh, what President uh, George Herbert Walker Bush was overheard saying, sort of off microphone once. And, and he said, uh, allegedly, reportedly, that if, they, if Americans knew what we were up to, we'd be hanged. And hang they should be. I want to see a war crime tribunal for Bush, for Wolfowitz, for Romney, uh, not Romney, Rumsfeld. Hey, might as well throw Romney in there, too. <laughs> Rumsfeld, uh, who the rest of the crew? Colin Powell? Colin, the perfect name for him, man, because that's all that flew through him when he lied us into that war, straight down the colon. And one after another, they should be brought up on war crime tribunal. Who knew what, when? But we the people, why should we know the truth? It's America. Throw a K in there, boy. That's what, cause that's what this country's turned into. So you're forecasting the emergence of a third party. Will it be, will it get it together in time for the, uh, the 2016 election? You know, it's a tough one, but we think it can happen. We really, really do. And, um, again, the conditions have never been better. Here, I'll give you this one. Let's say, Richard, that, um, they had an election up there in uh, Canada, <laughs> and 74% of the people stayed home. And we say, well, look at those Canadians, man. <laughs> what kind of country is that? Well, that's what happened in the United States last year. They had an election, and 74% of the people stayed home. So the people are ready for the change. Something real. You're not going to get, get it from the Bloods and the Crips. And that, to me, is the Republicans and the Democrats. They're gangs. And I don't say that sarcastically to get it. Ooh. No, they're murderers and they're thieves. 
How many more people do they have to murder in the name of bringing freedom and democracy to a Muslim country near you? And how many more, many more of our dollars do they have to steal before have any, they call them thieves? Any thoughts on who, who might lead such a third party? have no idea, and it's definitely not Rand Paul. He's a sellout, so he keeps changing. Yeah, he's not his father, that's for sure. Puff. And then, of course, he wants to declare war against ISIS. So he's a, he's a fraud. Again, another guy born on third base and thought he hit a triple. He'd be nobody, man. He'd be absolutely nobody. Jack, who's this guy from Kentucky that people would be asking? They'd never hear of his name if, if Ron Paul wasn't there before him. We just have about two minutes. Uh, leave us with some something positive. I know one of the things that you love to talk about, the emerging technologies, and, and this is, to me, the saving grace uh, you know, that I think could, you know, solve a lot of our problems. I don't know if it's the 3D printing or, or what, or what it is, but what do you well, see? Well, it's, it's a dominant energy. Again, think about it. We went from, went from horse and carriage to automobiles. In the beginning of the automobile, that was the alternative. Then we had, we went from ice boxes to frigidaires. And when the Frigidaire came out, that was the alternative. Right now, we're on breakthroughs with new energy beyond wind, solar, geothermal, biofuel. Do you think that the United States, NATO, Canada, the rest of these countries, Australia, would, would have attacked Libya and Iraq if their major export was broccoli? <laughs> Not a chance. So the emergence of a... Do you care about Saudi Arabia, Qatar, uh, United Arab Emirates, or Kuwait? If we don't need fossil fuels, oil, and gas, this is what we think is the big game changer. Again, we have an in-depth story in the Trends Journal. Look at what Toyota is doing with hydrogen. You look at different companies doing different things in the breakthroughs. These are real. It's only a matter of time. As a matter of fact, to be in a world of fossil fuels in the 21st century is a pretty fossil idea. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, uh, give it enough time, if there is enough time. The emergence of hydrogen energy, finally. We've been hearing about that for years. This could be the year. Gerald Salenti, the founder, director of the Trends Research Institute and uh, the website, trendsresearch.com. Gerald, always a pleasure. Stay well. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Gerald Salenti. Coming up next, Rosemary Ellen Guiley and our... Paranormal News Roundup, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740. Hey, Rosemary. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm doing well, Richard, and Happy New Year to you, too. I'm getting ready for a very busy year, lots of road travel, new events, new book projects. It's going to be even busier than last year, so I'm really psyched about it. Wow, and we're psyched to have you right here on the program right now. Uh, I know we're nicely into 2015, but I wanted to take a quick look back at 2014 and uh, talk about some of, well, the top story, I think, in terms of uh, a cryptozoology. Uh, and this has to do with a seven-year-long investigation into the, uh, I call it the Zapruder film of cryptozoology, and it, of course, is the Patterson-Gimley Bigfoot film. Uh, but tell me about uh, this Hollywood makeup artist, effects artist, William Munns, and his investigation. Well, he studied this film up one side and down the other, and this has probably been, uh, you so aptly put it, the Zapruder film of cryptozoology, 
Um, no other piece of footage has been so examined over the years. And uh, he was looking for things like natural movement. Uh, you know, if this was somebody in a suit, there would be kind of um, unnatural movements. He wouldn't be able to mimic, you know, really a creature very well. And he also found natural con- what appeared to be natural contours to the form. Again, um, uh, con- contrasting the arguments of the skeptics that it was a person in a suit. And this was yet another uh, very important uh, analysis from an expert on this film, uh, backing it up as a genuine sighting of Bigfoot. There have been other experts who have looked at things like the, the length of the gait, the swing of the arms, uh, the ratio of the form to uh, the surrounding trees, and every serious analysis of this film has come down on the side of it being genuine. So this was a great development for the year. And, and people should uh, um, take note that this film was made, this home movie, uh, and we have uh, uh, Patterson, who's on horseback. Uh, and, and where was this? Was this in Calif- California, the film? It was, was in shot? Northern California in an area called Bluff Creek, and it was 1967. Right. So, you know, back then, people had uh, very unsophisticated uh, uh, film uh, equipment relative to today and also uh, very limited opportunities to doctor something up in a, in a convincing way. Sure. And, and um, I mean, here we see this incredible footage of what appears to be a Sasquatch. And, and for those who have long argued, and this, this debate has been raging, uh, well, now we're, we're approaching 50 years uh, so this investigation by William Munns is is very important. Uh, but for people that are out there that think that this is just somebody in a gorilla suit or something, I mean, think back to those movies. I remember going to the drive-in with my parents in the late 60s, and there'd be a movie about, you know, a, a gorilla has escaped from the zoo or something, and, and the, the, the makeup and the, uh, the outfits were pretty crude back then. They certainly were, and uh, the whole idea that uh, it was a fake, now we've seen a lot of fakes in recent years, and they've been pretty easy to spot, too. They're getting more sophisticated, but back then, uh, it would have been very difficult to fake something like this. I've had my story producer, Albert Vinzel, uh, post uh, the video up on the website. If you go to richardserrett.com and go up to the slide carousel at the top uh, of the page there and just wait for the, uh, uh, the, the Patterson Gimli Bigfoot film slide to come by, click on it, and uh, there you can see what we're talking about. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us, our a paranormal investigator who joins us once every month, and her website is visionaryliving.com. <clears throat> now, uh, we'll, we'll begin this story, and we'll probably run into a break, and we'll pick it up on the other side, but I wanted to talk about this cursed forest of Transylvania story. I love this story. I thought you uh, would. <laughs> billed as the most haunted forest in the world. And in Romanian, I'm not quite sure how it's pronounced, uh, but it's in Transylvania, and it's had a very long reputation for all kinds of activity, uh, hauntings, poltergeist effects, missing time, um, missing people, I mean, people who disappear, um, people having phys- ill physical effects, UFO activity, uh, apparitions and mysterious creatures of all sorts. And there are other areas, there are so many other areas around the planet like this, 
and it has been determined that there are magnetic anomalies uh, in this area, including uh, dead zones, places where things won't grow. And I've, I've seen this in other hot zones, too. All of these effects are a pattern that we find in intensely um, active areas with uh, paranormal phenomena. Have you ever been to and Transylvania, Rosemary? Have you been there? I have. I have not been to this particular forest, but I have. Uh, I did a, a Dracula tour in Romania some years ago and uh, went through uh, areas in the Borgo Pass and the Carpathians and um, you know some of the areas specifically associated with the uh, uh, the Vlad Tepish and uh, Dracula legends. All right, listen, I've got to take a time uh, out here, Rosemary. Excuse me. We'll come back on the other side. We'll continue to talk about the cursed forest of Transylvania and much more with Rosemary Ellen Guiley right here at The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. And we are back with Rosemary Ellen Guiley uh, talking about some of the uh, the paranormal news uh, that has caught our attention this week or this month. And we're talking about the cursed forest of Transylvania. Uh, and this is a region in, uh, in, in Romania, Transylvania. It's an actual place. It wasn't, you know, Bram Stoker's imagination. This place actually exists. And as you were saying, this is one of the most haunted forests in the world. But there's so much going on here, so much activity. It almost sounds like the Skinwalker's Ranch where you have, you've got, uh, you've got UFO activity. You've got, uh, uh, hauntings. You've got, you know, howls in the, in the night. Uh, werewolves, perhaps. Who knows? Uh, is it, does it have anything to do Whenever you have like an old growth forest, I mean, I believe that trees hold so much, store so much energy. Some of these trees are centuries old. Could that have anything to do with it? I believe it does, Richard. Uh, Trees uh, are around for hundreds of years, and they, uh, from a paranormal perspective, they would absorb the energy of all kinds of things. And um, in folklore of forests, especially dense and dark forests, uh, are always associated with the dangers of the unknown. People have had strange experiences and feelings in a certain forest throughout uh, our, the entire human history. And uh, the magnetic anomalies that have been discovered there add a lot of weight to this being a paranormal hot spot because that uh, seems to uh, create a lot of physical effects for people, including disorientation, a sense of lost time. It could even facilitate uh, being uh, suddenly um, open to um, seeing other dimensional entities, apparitions, uh, the UFO activity. Uh, I feel that these areas really are interdimensional portals. They're thin places, and 
there's all kinds of ongoing activity uh, that bleeds from other dimensions into ours. And so people can have some very bizarre experiences. Uh, people there also uh, who wander into the forest have reported extreme migraine headaches, feeling, as you mentioned, disoriented, nauseous, dizziness, having a sense of lost time, or having an unexplained sharp pain in various parts of the body. Uh, I mean, it's no, it's no uh, wonder uh, that so much of our uh, sort of folklore in terms of paranormal, supernatural, you know, uh, things that go bump in the night come from this region, uh, uh, given the, the topography there. Romania has a lot of spooky areas to it, and um, it, it is no surprise that it's steeped in folklore about uh, creatures like vampires and uh, werewolves and uh, dangerous uh, sorts of entities. But magnetic anomalies will create those kinds of, of physical um, responses in people. And uh, we find uh, those descriptions associated with fairy wells, for example, sacred wells, um, other uh, areas like the, the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts, uh, the Skinwalker Ranch that you just mentioned, um, certain parts of the Southwest, where people can get in into these magnetic fields, and uh, they do act upon the, the brain uh, to and the body to uh, create a host of phenomena. Uh, now we get to uh, a favorite topic uh, of, of mine, Rosemary. We, you and I have talked about haunted dolls. I know it's a favorite topic of yours. We talked about er, one earlier this year. It was a, an abandoned uh, a, a doll. It might have been even in China that was uh, supposedly cursed and left on the side of the road. Now here we, we have a, um, a similar story. This one in Japan, however. And uh, this is the, the tale of the haunted doll of Hokkaido, uh, which is supposedly... Um, the home of a girl's restless spirit. It's from a paranormal perspective. This is entirely plausible and possible. Dolls will absorb uh, a lot of emotional energy from people. And uh, when a child becomes very attached to the doll, as this little girl did, um, the doll can absorb uh, a personality, emotions, a, a very significant imprint, and uh, literally objects can become uh, spirit houses. Uh, this particular doll, the, the story goes back to the turn of the 20th century. Uh, the doll was a gift for uh, a two-year-old. Uh, her older brother bought it for her. He thought she would really like it, the traditional Japanese doll in a, dressed in a kimono, and she was very attached to it. And uh, then she became ill and uh, died. And after that, the doll was haunted. So uh, her parents uh, came to the conclusion that she was actually uh, in the doll. Uh, her spirit was attached to the doll. Well, certainly um, the phenomena demonstrate that uh, at least some very strong residues were attached to the doll and uh, that she, she might have... Um, you know, become attached to it herself. So uh, the, the significant factor with this doll that makes it different from other haunted dolls is the hair grows. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I've heard many stories of dolls seeming to be animated, moving around, making sounds, mentally talking to people. Uh, but this doll is really unique in that its hair mysteriously grows, and it grows to a certain length. And uh, the stories are that no matter how often the hair is cut, it regrows. And it's now in a temple in Japan uh, where it is on display. 
Yeah, this is a remarkable story. In fact, I believe initially the the doll, when it was purchased, had about you know it was like closely cropped shoulder length hair. And then if you look at this picture of this this haunted doll of Hokkaido, the hair is practically down to the doll's feet. And it grows uh, down to a certain length and then seems to stop. Uh, now, what I don't know, I have not been able to find out, is uh, how long the little girl's hair was. Uh, so the question is, uh, is the doll's hair growing to match the little girl's hair? Um, but um, initially the family put the doll in their family altar, and uh, many traditional Japanese homes have altars for the dead, and um, they're, they're treated as household residents, and there are furniture uh, in the houses, and uh, they are given food offerings and uh, treated as though they are still very much a part of the family. So the, the doll being put in the family altar for the dead may have uh, also contributed to the energy that still seems to cling to it. Here's a story, uh, Rosemary, that broke uh, right at the end of, of uh, 2014. And it was from the CIA's Twitter account. In fact, they, uh, if memory serves, the CIA uh, just started tweeting in, in 2014. Uh, and their, their first official tweet was, the CIA can either confirm or deny that this is our first tweet. Uh, and then <laughs> at the end of, of 2014, uh, it said this on their Twitter. Reports of unusual activity in the skies in the 1950s, it was us. This CIA tweeted from its official Twitter account. Again, that was uh, Monday, December, I believe, oh, that was the 29th of 2014. What do you think? The CIA basically saying that they created uh, this whole uh, UFO uh, story, as, a, as I guess, as a cover story. I, I think the government likes to lead UFO researchers around in circles. There's always somebody in the government or some agency saying, all that stuff that's been reported in the sky, it's just natural, it's just military, it's us. And, yes, I think that um, there have been cases where people have mistaken uh, perhaps experimental aircraft or even commercial aircraft for, for UFOs, but that can't account for all the activity. There are too many sightings of unusual craft um, really not known to this planet exhibiting aerial maneuvers that no uh, known terrestrial aircraft can execute uh, and then um, uh, be, you know, containing uh, beings that seem to be otherworldly, too. There are way too many uh, eyewitness accounts of those episodes all over the world uh, for us to be able to write it all off as uh, just another government thing. Oh, I agree. Uh, I spoke with uh, a couple of gentlemen who could, uh, uh, who were military uh, people, and uh, they could, I, they could neither confirm nor deny uh, that they worked at Area 51, which I take as confirmation. Uh, and uh, they're with an outfit called uh, the Roadrunners, and uh, they also took that position that the whole UFO issue was created not just by the CIA, but uh, uh, the Office of Naval Intelligence and, and uh, I suppose, the Pentagon and so forth. And, and this actually had to do with the development of the U-2 project. Uh, and that they, they, they didn't want people to be poking around and, and finding out what was going on in Area 51, which had nothing to do with back engineering flying saucers or storing alien bodies and had everything to do with, uh, you know, winning the Cold War and developing spycraft like the, like the U-2. Um, 
I mean, I, I, there, there, there could be some truth to that. I mean, there, a lot of the, the strange phenomena that people see in the skies around Area 51, I, I believe, are made in the good old USA. They're just a highly advanced aircraft. Uh, I think that we have to take that into account. And uh, especially back in the 50s, this particular tweet uh, related to um, sightings from the 50s and even the 60s, and um, there might have been more of that sort of thing um, that could be mistaken for UFO activity. But even so, some of the early reports we have of contact, uh, as well as extraordinary sightings from that era, you still can't account for them all as um, naturally explained. So I, I believe that our, our unexplained aerial activity is probably a bit of both. I agree. That's the, that's the big question. You know, what? How do you break it down in terms of the percentage? What percentage of them today, here in 2015, when we find when we see these unidentified aerial uh, craft? What percentage of them are? Uh, highly secretive black ops uh, weaponry, and, and what, what what percentage of them are interdimensional or extraterrestrial? Uh, and, and by the way, where do you uh, sort of land in, in in terms of the argument? Do you believe extraterrestrials are, or UFOs are piloted by extraterrestrials or interdimensionals? I consider them interdimensionals. I I don't exclude the possibility of extraterrestrials, beings from another physical world, but I believe that our experiences are primarily interdimensional, that uh, they're attached to the Earth, they're in another dimensional space, and they come through these these interdimensional walls, weak spots in the walls, uh, such as in the areas uh, like that forest in Transylvania. Uh, so that most of, most of them, I think, are interdimensional. I agree with you, and, and uh, you know uh, better than most. You, you've been to a, a, a good number of UFO conferences over the years. That's such a divisive argument or a discussion uh, to have with somebody. Uh, you can get struck, uh, taken off someone's Christmas card list in a hurry if you know if you don't believe that they're extraterrestrial. Uh, people are very opinionated, and uh, you find the same thing in the Bigfoot community, that uh, there's a very sharp line between uh, people who are convinced that Bigfoot is a physical being, a remnant from the Earth's distant past, uh, versus uh, a minority of researchers who believe that uh, Bigfoot is an interdimensional being, too. And arguments can get pretty heated. I'll say. All right. Well, it's always a delight to have you with us. And again, Happy New Year, Rosemary. And uh, we'll talk to you next month. Thank you very much, Richard. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, once again, the website, visionaryliving.com. Check it out and go to the bookstore there because, uh, well, she's only got about 50 books. (laughs) I'm sure you'll find one. Well, that's it for us. My thanks to Tim Spreen, Albert Venzel, all of you for listening at home. Back next week with a brand new show. Hope you'll be along for the ride. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.